1: Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. This was not a roller coaster ride. It was an inexorable underground subway ride, exploring our ability to stave off that feeling of impending doom that always presaged the inevitable momentum shift in favor of the evil empire. It took almost every last drop of blood, a full 59 minutes and 46 seconds for the foreboding to be ameliorated as a flood of ecstasy took hold over Steeler Nation. Tom Brady's past soaring high over the outstretched hands of Julian Edelman and harmlessly to the turf, bringing victory to a Pittsburgh team under siege. It's December 17th, 2018, episode 70. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick is joining me from the Houston Outpost. Nikki, John, we did it.
0: We. We got him! We got him! We've only been doing this podcast for about two years. A little over two years if you count the incubation phase. But I have been waiting to do this particular episode of the podcast for about seven years. The Pittsburgh Steelers defeated the New England Patriots. And what basically is was a playoff game for the Steelers, all the rest of their AFC contemporaries in the playoff race, all won earlier in the day. So if the Steelers had lost this game, the playoffs would have been pretty much gone as well. Now, we didn't get the joy of knocking the Patriots out of anything, but I don't care. I don't think you can uh, undersell how incredible it felt to see that ball hit the ground when you thought that for sure Tom Brady was going to vanquish us again and yet another one of his two-minute drills at the end of the game. I mean, I've been riding high. I didn't even sleep last night intentionally
1: hey it's uh it was a night i could get to sleep i think for the audience to appreciate this maybe everybody's aware of this but the steelers have lost five straight to the patriots over the lot since 2011 and six of eight going back all the way through mike tomlin's tenure yeah frustration
0: not to mention 3 AFC championship games and then and then compounded by the Jesse James game last year. I mean, it was just time. And the Patriots, a lot of people are saying today it's not the Patriots of old, and that may be true. They've gotten a little bit older and they made their fair share of mistakes, but make no mistake, they're still a Super Bowl contender. They may not be the AFC shoe-in that they have been for the last 20 years, but they're a good team still, with a lot of good players, and the Steelers, almost unsurprisingly, after losing to the lowly hapless Raiders, come and play, came to play in this game, and they seriously showed up. What a huge win for the Steelers, and they earned yeah, it. They I just they weren't given it.
1: True, and uh, I, I wasn't kidding during that that opening, the the emotional. Uh, I wasn't up and down. I was nervous the entire game. And and sure enough, the score was always within reach from Brady. And that's what it felt like, especially at the end. Uh, we had a magnificent defensive play to stop what, what looked like to be an inevitable touchdown.
0: I mean, the story of the game is who the hell thought the Pittsburgh Steelers would ever beat the New England Patriots at a score of 17 to 10. Then you throw in the fact that the Patriots. Okay. So, Let's take it back a little bit because I I completely agree with you. I don't think it comes as a surprise to anybody. I was physically shaking the whole game and for two hours after the game. And then today I only stopped shaking when I started Googling Tom Brady sad on Google. And I had a nice laugh. And at that point I realized like, oh, my my blood pressure is actually lowered. But – it was a weird, like throwback, dirty Steelers win. Like back when they were winning Super Bowls, you they would just always find ways to win. It wasn't always pretty, but people would always make big plays when the when the time was right. And this game started a little bit different. The Steelers went down on a dominant opening possession march and scored a touchdown to start, which I think is like the first Steelers touchdown, like opening drive touchdown against the Patriots. I mean, in 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 like the Tomlin era or something like that. Something I think since they it.
1: started wearing helmets.
0: Yeah, the first helmeted Steelers touchdown drive to open the game against the Patriots, which is also around the time that Tom Brady started playing. But Steelers go down there, and you know, okay, this is exactly what needs to happen. We all know the story here. Steelers have to score 40 points or they're not going to win this game. The defense has been too bad. Tom Brady and Belichick and McDaniels and Gronk have carved up this defense time and time again. They have a coaching advantage. We are... Totally lacking for the even the personnel and the players on defense to match up with all their weapons. I mean, it was at the point when before the game, we were hearing that Artie Burns and um, Cam Sutton were going to start over Sentebaugh and Mike Hilton. It, it just seemed like desperation, like you're not even putting in good players. You're just taking out guys and rolling the dice. It didn't look Change like. Change of state. sake. Yeah, exactly. So you're you're going in there, Steelers score the first possession. You're saying, "Okay, this is what needs to happen. Ben needs to go supernova. We need to see a Carolina Panthers game. Patriots get the ball back and it feels like playing the Patriots again. Three plays and I don't know what kind of disrespect the Steelers have for Hogan, Chris Hogan the receiver, because every time he scores against the Steelers. Going back to the to the championship game. He doesn't have anybody within 20 yards of him. In fact, there was a, a statistic. I forget who, who posted this today, but it's kind of everywhere, and ESPN was even showing it. That Chris Hogan wide open 60-yard you know, touchdown was, um, out of all the NFL games, out of every single play this year, the most wide open wide receiver <laughs> there was not anyone, even on his side of the field. And uh, on that big coverage bus, so the, the Patriots score right away and we say, all right, well, here we go again. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be 40 to 34 and look how easy it is for the Patriots to score.
1: Yeah, as you said, I mean, that, those first two series indicated that we were going to need to be sort of high. Both teams would have to be high flying during this game predictions for, for you know, a combined score in the 70s. I don't know that. that uh, but then the game settled down pretty quickly after that.
0: It settled down super quick, and I think the Steelers got sacked two out of three times when they got the ball back. So you're just – you're already just terrified because you know you need to be up by at least 26 to feel comfortable against the Patriots, and it just wasn't happening. But you know what? The Steelers shut the Patriots down for the rest of the game, and it's not like – you know, 2000, 2006 football where you can literally shut someone down like a high-powered offense and and prevent them from getting first downs. The Patriots move the ball here or there, but overall, I mean, the defense really held them in check. And, and the story is the Steelers win 17-10, to 10, but the offense played better than 17 points. We'll, we'll kind of go into the reasons of how they – why the left points off the board and why that happened. But they moved the ball very well. They had a great offensive game plan. They had a lot of newcomers step up. And then the defense, maybe they weren't quite as good as only giving up 10 points to the Patriots, and they almost crumbled again. It looked like it was going to happen. Steelers go up by seven, two minutes and 30 seconds, hand it back to Brady. It takes him all of about one minute to get to the 11-yard line. But then they, they stepped up. And they made plays and really it wasn't, it wasn't painted by Michelangelo, but it was a really good game because both sides of the ball, all three sides really made huge plays when it counted. Maybe the biggest play of the season is Joe Hayden intercepting an opposing quarterback. An unbelievable job, where the Patriots got into the red zone, where the Steelers defense held them to 0 of three. A huge reason why they won in this game. Tom Brady tries to throw it away to the sideline. Joe Hayden jump man's up in between. I mean, it makes it so much sweeter that's in between these two guys. But Gronk and Edelman it makes an unbelievable high pointing catch, toe tapping, getting his feet in bounds to make a pick in the fourth quarter with about seven minutes left, and then the offense goes and wears down five minutes of clock and gets a field goal. And huge plays on that drive were a couple third down com- conversions where Ben made some pinpoint throws, one to Vance and then extended the play and made a throw to Jalen Samuels. And when, with, and that drive ended with another huge play from our Steelers fan favorite, Chris Boswell, who nailed the 48 yard field goal and a little bit of redemption, just huge plays. I think is what was the difference in this game for the Steelers.
1: I think something that was particularly interesting about the Brady interception—the statistic they threw up there—what that was his first red zone interception since December 2016 against the Ravens. More interesting to me was the fact that Hayden stayed in bounds, and it, it looked like he was out of bounds easily from the initial viewing of the play. I've watched that several times. When you go back to watch it, Gronkowski is coming from the inside of the field out, and clearly could have swept Hayden out of bounds as close as Hayden was. Edelman came from the outside in and basically formed a wall between Hayden and the, and the sideline. And I'm, I think that Edelman was the guy who prevented, uh, Hayden from getting pushed out of bounds. So just kind of crazy things happening.
0: Yeah, you're right. And, and, And for him to make that catch, he jumped up and high pointed it. And we've been saying this since Hayden got on the Steelers. I mean, obviously the Steelers are allergic to turnovers. They've dropped so many, even Hayden dropped one last week, but We've seen Hayden high point the ball, something that I don't even think the Steelers like having those guys on their team since Troy left. Maybe it's just a matter of respect. They don't want to you know, have anyone infringing on the Troy territory. But we've seen him do stuff like that before, but it was an unbelievable catch to go up in between those guys. Yeah, Brady uh, was trying to throw it away and it was very uncharacteristic, but not many people are going to catch it. And you're right. is the, the ball actually rolled our way a little bit for once because – Edelman did sort of hold him in bounds. I mean, amazing, huge play. And the Steelers made them where they counted. The defense held them to 0-3 in the red zone. I mean, the big moment in the game was when the Patriots got to the 11-yard line. It was second down. And everybody wants to talk about how the Patriots' mistakes are what won the game for the Steelers. Now, their reason, I mean, they it, that certainly factors in. They had, What, 14 penalties for over 100 yards? That's the most for the Patriots in over two or three years. You never see that happen for them. But actually, a lot of those penalties, including the holding call on that second down from the 11-yard line with 30 seconds left in the game, those were caused by Steelers players. The offensive and defensive lines for the Steelers dominated the trenches in this game. And there were a couple holding calls on the Patriots' offensive line called because Steelers players were ripping through to get to Brady, and on that second down from the 11 yard line, Stephon to it burst through, and uh, whoever it was, I don't, I don't think it was Cannon. It was 69 who ended up holding him. The Steelers drew that penalty; they made that luck.
1: Yeah, good point. There were three offensive holding penalties, giving us uh, 30 yards. There were five false starts, five false starts, then then a then a plethora of uh, penalties, like the the big pass interference call on the New England 43 that set up the A-B touchdown. But right, offsides, delay a game, a multi – that actually – the rest of these look, just seem like a lack of discipline. But clearly, the false starts um, – well, not clearly, but I'm guessing that had something to do with the home team advantage. And the offensive holding was a testament to what this defensive line has been doing lately.
0: Yeah, the false starts were – that's usually the sign of a, of a sloppy team. And it's so weird to see the New England Patriots get so many pre-snap penalties. But, you know, rewatching the game – I really did realize, I mean, that might've been, that's the best Heinz crowd I can remember. I mean, I think the, the last time you, um, you've heard of a, a Heinz crowd getting that loud was probably the championship game against the Ravens.
1: And hey, look, go for it. I was just going to note that, you know, that may have been that typically sloppiness, as you said, but the Patriots were 30th in terms of, of penalties it, favorably, you know, only 43 penalty yards per game compared to the
0: rest of the NFL compared to the Steelers who have luckily tamed that down recently. By the way, what did we tell you guys early in the season? There's still room for the Steelers to improve. They can take down their penalties. They've done that. They won that battle. There's a few more things we'll talk about later. But I totally agree with you. Um you know, rewatching that game you realize you know home field advantage is supposed to be a big deal. That's why they say it's hard to go to Seattle. It's hard to go to Kansas City. At this point it's hard to go to New England. It's hard to go to Pittsburgh not always because of the crowd, but mostly just because the Steelers play better there and Ben plays a lot better there. But against the Patriots, it was a proper home field advantage, and a lot of those false starts are due to crowd noise. I mean, that's big time going forward. So it looks like the Steelers can't only improve, but we can improve, you can improve, Steelers Nation, and actually help the team.
1: And you know who else improved? At least improved his stock in our eyes? Mike Tomlin.
0: I mean... This is the Tomlin special, isn't it? It's almost like he creates these chaotic, dramatic situations only so that he can juice them into fuel to pump into the veins of the Steelers so they can squeeze the life out of Tom Brady's stupid head. Anyways, Mike Tomlin, you got to give him credit. Two big things about this game. The game planning was fantastic. The Steelers came out on offense and they ran a ton of five wide receiver sets. They did what the Patriots have done to us so many times is what the Steelers did to the Patriots this time around. And it really kept the Patriots guessing. They love to – they're kind of old Steelers-like in this and Ravens-like in the fact that they like to disguise a lot of blitzes and it's hard – for you to figure out what they're doing. Belichick, of course, famous for that. Well, the five-wide receiver thing kind of makes these plays go bing, bang, boom, boom. It's too quick for you to mess around with those exotic blitzes. They don't have time to get home. They don't have time to confuse. So they did that well. Steelers Nation has been crying themselves to sleep, thinking that the Steelers need to run the ball more, even when they hadn't been running effectively as of recent. But I think, so of course we're we're bearing one of the leads here, is that, uh, speaking of running the ball, is Jalen Samuels. Huge game, but I think one of the reasons that the Steelers had such a great time running the ball, besides the fact that the Patriots have really struggled to stop the run recently, I think one of the reasons is the Steelers lined up in that five wide and they spread it out a lot and they kind of uh, used the pass to set up the run. And then by going five wide, they really spread out the Patriots defenders and then ended up pulling a lot of offensive linemen, which the Steelers are very good at. Obviously, David DiCastro is great at it. Marquise Pouncey, pretty much anyone can. And they used that to their advantage. I don't think the Steelers, I mean, at least without James Conner, are a team that's just going to line up in I formation and get to their 25 runs. I thought they ran very creatively. That was a great game plan. You got to give Tom Lanphiener credit.
1: Give Tom one a lot of credit but you and I always talk about process. And there were a couple of things that ding Tomlin on in this game. One is I'm sure everybody uh, saw the graphic of Mike Tomlin's challenges throughout the years. He's 0 for 10 over the last three years uh, yeah. before that. I mean, he, he has had like 50% success going back to 2013. So he is, he's getting some bad advice or maybe we need a new iPad to see some of these plays. I don't think he's very strategic on these challenges.
0: Yeah, that's par for the course. And the Steelers in this game were also par for the course. They basically played the same way that they have for the last four games. They've been the better team on the field in all three of those losses. And ironically, before those three losses, they played Jaguars where they were not the better team on the field until the very end of the fourth quarter, and they lucked out with one there. Well, I think the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders – lucked out against the Steelers when they played because they really dominated. They were just finding creative ways to to lose and to turn the ball over and miss kicks and stuff like that. Well, Tomlin, he gets challenges wrong, and the Steelers still made the same mistakes that they've made in the last few games. Ben turned the ball over two times. The defense was this close – to letting, like, what is it, three games in a row when they lose the game on the last two-minute drive of the game? I mean, it's the same thing. Brady went right down the field. Yes, we drew the holding penalty, but damn, that if we didn't get that call, you got to think the Patriots would have scored. And then, of course, we're missing kicks. So it's interesting that, they played the same, and like we said, I think they lost those three games by a total of 13 points. The, the, the margin for error and what makes a victory or a loss is so thin in the NFL, and what I think made the difference is those huge plays that people made in critical moments during that stretch in the fourth quarter.
1: Sure, and I don't want to deal in hypotheticals, but let's go back to something you were talking about, and that, that is um, that drive near the end of the game that New, uh, New England had, they find themselves on the 30, two minutes and 41 seconds left, no timeouts. I'm sorry, this is where we have the ball, on the New England 30. Uh, we passed the ball down to Juju. It would have been a great catch on the five-yard line and maybe even stumbling into the, t- uh, into the end zone. It didn't happen. Then, um, with no timeouts, 2.41 left, should we have kicked it the way we did? Or should we have gone, should this be four-down territory? We would have pinned New England back on the thirty. By the way, the uh, New England only had one drive of over 70 yards the entire game. So who are you going to depend on, Boz for this field goal or the defense to stop New England way back there? And with the possibility that if we went uh, went four downs, we could have gotten the first down at that point.
0: Right. Well – I think if it were fourth and one or two, I think Tomlin would have been really tempted to go for it. And you, and I wouldn't have really blamed him for that. I think what happened on that pass to Juju that he almost made the great catch on, uh, the, the Patriots just got a great blitz. And I think that the Steelers were probably not trying to go for the end zone there. This isn't the Todd Haley era. I think that Ben just had pressure bearing down on him and he had and he knew he had juju one-on-one so he threw it up to him and if they Uh, had been four down territory i would have they would have thrown something underneath to say like okay we're not going for all or nothing we know we have four downs so you try to pick up less yards at a time now it's fourth and six i definitely don't think you go for it there they may i think they made the right decision by kicking it
1: um because he made it but let's face it, Boz was not did not have a good trajectory coming up to that to that point. And I don't would like you rather go? So-
0: if it's fourth and two, sure. But I think the fact that they threw the incompletion on the play before kind of tipped your tipped your hand.
1: Fair enough. Maybe yeah. it, maybe I'm splitting hairs there, but um if
0: it was fourth and one or two, I would have been down. I would have been down to go for it. I don't I don't have confidence in 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 and putting all your eggs in the fourth and six conversion basket. There's specific plays to convert on fourth and one or two. And and that's, that's more situational type thing. You can run or pass right there. You know, everyone knows like, well, he has to pass it. Um, But I mean, it's a good thought. I'm with you. I mean, was I confident when Boswell went up for that 40 yard, 48 yard field goal? No. Did I even watch him kick it? No, I left the room. Thank God he made it. Where do I get my own team?
1: Actually, I, I was more confident Boz making the 48 because maybe not, maybe not ironically, but there is probably less pressure in a very difficult kick that you would be blamed less for than missing an extra point or a short chip shot field goal. There's so like, what do I have to lose here? It's yeah. 48 yards.
0: Yeah, no, just go and swing it. There's definitely something to that. And, you know, I think, Tom, you're right. You you give the guy credit because the decision worked out, but we all thought he was going to miss. You know, but also how Steelers is it? It's just so Steelers days of our Steelers. Of course, he's going to make that kick and not the one earlier. You know, they just they live on the drama. And like we said, just getting back to Tomlin and giving him credit. The game planning was excellent on offense. We talked about the variety on defense. The game plan was also excellent. Last year, they had a great game plan against the Patriots and they mostly stopped them the whole game. And last year, we saw them do something that they didn't do the whole year, which was play a ton of man. And this game, we saw them do stuff that they haven't done the whole year as well, which is play every coverage known to man and do a ton of pre-snap movements. And sometimes they got caught in them, but more times than not, they were holding the Patriots to short gains. And it seemed like before when we play the Patriots, they're just picking up chunk play after chunk play. And listen, Gronk is not Gronk anymore, but Jared Cook carved us up. So it's not like you need... Hall of Fame version of Gronk to carve us up. He's still in the game. But it seemed like the Steelers were constantly forcing third down. And at one point in the game, I think this, the, the Patriots were like one for six on third down. So that, that game planning on offense and defense was really successful.
1: Yeah. Um, so we, before we jump over the offense, let, let's talk about the Steelers running back factory.
0: The running back factory. Well, before we get – just last thing before we get into the factory, I wanted to give Tomlin credit for one more thing, which was the game planning was great on offense and defense, but also just the emotional element is great. I mean, to to be able to have the team that doesn't blink, he loves that quote of not blinking. And in the post-game presser, he took it even a step further, saying sometimes when you want to blink, you just got to cut your eyelids off. Love it. Gruesome. Graphic. The, the mantra of a warrior, if you will. But to have the Steelers, you know, on the brink of extinction here against the total kryptonite, when even when they beat the Patriots, they lose because the NFL is a piece of crap. Okay? they To, to hold it together like that and really to have the defense come up big and make a huge stop at the end of the game, got to give them total credit. Sorry, didn't mean to get us off, off topic, but I wanted to make sure it was known.
1: So... James who? Because now we have Jalen Samuels.
0: Let's keep going down the list. Jalen Samuels. Yeah, another big story of the game. Uh, He was not rushing attempts. Yeah. He was
1: rushing attempts, 142 yards,
0: seven and a half yards of run. And it really was like that. It wasn't just one or two long runs that made him look like he had a good stat line. He had a couple 20 plus yarders. He had a bunch of eight or 10 yarders. He ran incredibly well on that final drive for the Steelers where they milked a ton of the clock down. And, uh, which you can, I guess you can argue whether that was a good idea or not. Right. Giving the ball back to Tom Brady with two thirty, only down by seven was never our intention. But anyways, um, I'm half kidding there. I mean, you, you, you got to move the ball and they were doing a great job and damn, if Juju could have came down with that catch in the end zone or if Ben could have put it a little in front or something, what a way that would have been to end the game.
1: But who cares? Sure. We won. But let's just, just to recap that last drive, Samuels, uh, after Ben made that great pass to, to Vance McDonald to get the first down with uh third and seven, Samuels had two consecutive runs of five yards, first down, um, missed pass to AB Samuels comes back for that twenty yard pass, third and nine. So oh, awesome, and I love the stumble. Vintage, First of all, I, I thought he tripped. In the interview after, he said, "No, nah, I was just killing time." He just is pulled a cigarette calm. out of my back pocket, lit it up.
0: He's calm. He took a toke right there. He said, let me sit down right here real quick. Let me get another first down in a minute, baby. You already know it wasn't the most graceful fall down. But yeah, it was intentional and to have the presence of mind to do that. I mean, it's such a big deal. You see games all over the NFL all the time where people don't know how to make that play. But he was excellent. He, uh, Same report card from him and certain things from last week. It didn't seem like he knew how to hit holes correctly. That's the most carries he's ever got. The most yards he's ever gotten in his life, including high school and middle school. He's just, he's always been this tweener guy. So for a guy who doesn't get that many carries, he ran great he's very economical he's kind of a one cut guy he'll make a shift here you're not going to tackle him right around the legs and he'll just sort of get the most out of the play and it was uh, an amazing job by Randy Feetner finding the plays that work for him specifically one of the famous Le'Veon plays which is that really cool counter pitch play where he's standing on the right side of Ben, and they pitch it to him and then he cuts it all the way back across to the left it's like a short pitch like instead of throwing it all the way out to him it's just sort of a one foot thing and it gets the defense flowing in one direction he cuts it back and he made i mean he probably had 50 plus yards off of that one play which they ran i think six times alone
1: yeah and i think it was uh, you know we talked about this last week he he is not exactly a burner uh, this is this to me is a huge <laughs> testament to the offensive line opening up some holes. I mean, I think the game planning, as you said, was good Feetner put together uh, you know put together some good formations but man um, offensive line there were there were tunnels you
0: could drive a truck through absolutely and and we don 't want that point to get lost. In this podcast, because this is what's making the Steelers dangerous. Their offensive and defensive lines are dominating people. Yes, the Patriots did rip rip off a bunch of runs up the middle throughout the course of that game, but when it counted, the Steelers held and they were constantly pressuring Brady, collapsing that pocket and everything. And like you said, the offensive line is opening up huge holes, and there is still room for improvement we'll get into a little bit of that later but Jalen Samuels coming out party he played fantastic the offensive line did great yes but man he made a lot of those yards himself and got them more out of plays than what was there for him you know so besides Jalen Samuels of course you had some some contributions at key moments from Juju early in the game when the Steelers were driving I think it was the first drive he caught that beautiful Randy, he just mossed the guy. He's doing it left and right. Where Ben threw that dagger on like second and 14 up the right sideline and Ben and Juju jumped over the guy and grabbed the ball over his head. I mean, that was a critical play to keep the drive moving. Obviously, A.B. had a beautiful touchdown catch um, from a fantastic throw from Ben threading the needle in between three guys, as is tradition. And uh, they made plays when they had to, but nobody had a huge stat line. And this was another thing we were talking about. I don't know if we talked about on air. But before the game, we said, like, listen, some role players are going to have to step up and step up. They did. It seems like everyone had one or two plays. That was very critical. Vance. Great touchdown catch. Awesome catch on third down and six on that final drive that we talked about. Very nice catch. Uh, Eli Rogers really started the team off with the Eli plan. didn't even expect that, right? He came in and picked up right where he left off. Made some nice first down catches. Even Ridley got some revenge on his old team when the Steelers were backed up. One of the many times inside their own 10-yard line. Made a 10-yard run. Switzer had a couple nice little catches. And most satisfyingly of all, James Washington coming out party with his fellow rookie, Jalen Samuels. I mean, how amazing was that catch up the sideline?
1: Huge. Combat catch is exactly what we were hoping he would do when he uh, demonstrated that in the preseason.
0: Totally. And that's what I like about that catch is when we look at players and we try to predict how good are they going to be or try and figure out are they even going to be good, you need some glimmers of something and something consistent. Like at least one thing that they do well where you know, like, OK, he can do – Sammy Coates can run deep and catch the ball. It's just – it was <laughs> – so consistent and not catching it, you knew that wouldn't go, go well. But, you know, you see flashes from T.J. Watt last year like, oh, he actually has some pass rush moves to beat guys. Well, this is what Washington did over and over again, not just in the preseason games. But if you were on Instagram looking at Steelers um, like videos from training camp, I think that City of Six account, they put on videos every day from training camp. He did it every single day. And he made a huge catch over a guy. And then the next play made another catch where he broke a tackle and got a first down. I mean, his confidence must be going high. And that's what we need from him. We just need three catches and let one of them be a 30 or 40 yarder.
1: Sure. And then we uh, let's turn our attention to the gunslinger. And 22 for 34, 235 yards, two touchdowns. And um, unfortunately, two interceptions.
0: So Ben had the same game that he's been having. I mean, really at the beginning of the game, I felt like he was just tearing them up at will. So decisive on those five receiver sets. He bought a lot of time with his legs. Like he's sort of this little flashback that he's been having this year with great protection from the offensive line and made some unbelievable throws that only three or four other guys can make. And then he missed a couple deep shots I mean, he missed A.B. down in the end zone on that free play from off sides early, like in the first half, and A.B. had a step on his guy, and Ben had pressure barreling down on him, so he kind of had to throw it off of his back foot, but, you know, if he had completed it, we would have said, oh my goodness, that was an incredible completion, what a throw, so it's not that surprising that he didn't make it, but we need to see him complete more of those, because that one that you talked about to Juju at the end of the game, when they brought the blitz on third down and the Steelers and Ben threw it up to Juju and he almost made another beautiful Randy Moss catch can't, but ended up uh, the DB made a nice play on him. Juju had a couple steps on the guy and I'm not saying it was a bad throw by Ben. He gave his guy a chance and he had to throw off his back foot because the defenders were barreling down on him. But if, and if he made it, we again, we would have said, wow, what an impressive throw. But we need to see Ben turn it on and make those plays. And, of course, he had his, his brain fart interception to Juju. It was a terrible interception. And then the second one, I don't know, it's questionable. It was into kind of a crowd of people on like one of those little forward tunnel, not a tunnel screen, but like a little tunnel pass, if you will. Um, just – Got to stop turning the ball over, and we need to see him make those super elite Ben throws like the touchdown in between three people to A-B. So he left some plays out there on the field, and, and that might be unfair to hold him to that standard. But I think that's what the difference is between the Steelers winning a Super Bowl this year, which they still have a chance to do, and them getting knocked out at some point. Is Ben has to go supernova and make those crazy plays that are there for the taking and that we have seen him make.
1: Yeah, I think Ben got lucky. the uh, Patriots weren't able to capitalize on either one of those interceptions. Hold on while I, at the herd in the South the 40 hound. seems to be, yeah, they seem to be uh, maybe under attack, but the Patriots were only, only punted after the first interception. And after the second interception, they threw their own interception. So it wasn't, uh, it just sort of hindered our ability to score, but it didn't really result in any points against us. But right. Doesn't mean it's Okay. <laughs>
0: No, it doesn't.
1: As a matter of fact, if you look uh, at the statistics, Ben is—he's uh, like a young record. guy. Because the top, <laughs> he's—he's in the top four in interceptions thrown with fifteen, and he's being rivaled by. Listen to this list: Sam Darnold with fifteen, Josh Rosen, Jared Goff. The only old guy there is semi-old guy is Andrew Luck.
0: <laughs> Andrew Luck's a gunslinger as well. And when he's got, and then but then unlike those guys, he's got the thirty touchdowns. On top of it, so he's really taking this gunslinger thing, uh, really seriously. Andrew Luck has
1: has thirty-four. The even, but Jared Goff at twenty-seven. I I take your point, but um, I I don't think there's the payoff for these for these inter this gunslinging interception spree.
0: Right. So we know he's the greatest probably athlete ever. I mean, there's probably some cavemen before humans recorded you know athletic uh, accomplishments but i doubt that they would even hold a candle to what ben roethlisberger has provided the american people and especially the people of the city of championships the city of champions if you will hopefully we're a city of championships after this year again but anyways ben um is turning the ball over too much. I mean, we've been saying this for weeks and it's funny. Now he got another one of his buddies, no more Arians, but now he's got Feetner in there and those guys tend to cut him loose. And listen, I think that's the right strategy. And he shows that he can make the plays. I mean, he can make the Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck plays. And we just need him to take his game to that next level where he is completing those crazy deep balls that we're accustomed to seeing him make and where he cuts down on those interceptions because this team played great, but they're, they're not as well-rounded as the other competitors. They're, they're actually probably pretty far down the list. When you look from an offensive, defensive and coaching standpoint and consistency, obviously we love the weapons on the outside and the, in the lines, but that's just what we think. I think it's an encouraging thing to realize, like, This team has not peaked yet, and I think a lot of other teams have. And Ben, we've seen him get hot time and time again, and he didn't play bad. He actually he played pretty well. I mean, the best things he did were dominate the very beginning of the game and make critical, classic Ben Roethlisberger plays on that final drive at the end of the game. So I love seeing that. But if he can just take it that next level and catch fire and start making those crazy back foot throws when he's getting blitzed, man, I mean, the Steelers can beat anybody.
1: So moving to the other side of the ball, if I may, just sit for a second and think we held the Patriots to 10 points for all the foibles and mistakes, the oversights. The Patriots didn't just shoot, didn't shoot themselves in the foot. I, as we pointed out before their penalties, other than the drop passes, which was very characteristic, the defense held the Patriots to 10. Now I did look back. The Patriots have been held to 10, two games previously this year. But if you look through the drive charts, they pumped it five times in a row in this game. That The most they've done this season is three times in a row. And um, the number of uh, scoreless drives, 78%. I mean, they scored on two drives.
0: And I mean, the fact that this that was against the Pittsburgh Steelers, because I would think even if they had a one-legged prospector from the minds of san francisco they're still putting up 38 on us it just i mean when you don't cover kevin hogan or not kevin hogan uh chris hogan i mean you're gonna score some touchdowns even if you gotta you know bat the ball with your peg leg to get it there the prospectors had peg legs or is that just pirates maybe it was a pirate prospector he washed up on the shores of southern california made his way up to the gold rush in northern california anyway well, think about this too that the crazy miscommunication that resulted in the Chris Hogan TD was a horrible thing to happen at the beginning of the game, but it didn't happen again. So, really, that was the Patriots' first drive. The Steelers held them to three points the rest of the way. The four drops, yep, they were critical, but we made mistakes too. The Steelers made mistakes as well. So, you, I mean, yeah, the drops are, are bigger mistakes well maybe more obvious but there were plays to be had and and you've seen what's happened to the Steelers the past few weeks and and how close they are to winning or losing it's not an excuse it's not like tom brady threw the ball directly to them a bunch of times or it's not like their tight end fumbled out of the goal out of the end zone when he was crossing the goal line or it's not like the running back fumbled when he got hit in the leg no and a lot of those penalties and the wounds we were really inflicted by the Steelers players and the Pittsburgh Steelers crowd. So that was big time. Like we said, the defensive line was so dominant. And one thing I really noticed was that the secondary was gang tackling a lot better. They were. Uh, it was kind of old Dick LeBeau style where they were forcing Tom Brady to take the underneath completions, and they were zooming in. It was Sonic the Hedgehog up in there. It was Roadrunner. They were getting to the guys and they were tackling them, gang tackling them and getting them to the ground. And honestly, every time I saw that happen, I was annoyed because you're just thinking, where the hell has this been the whole year? I mean, you could tell they were amped up for the game. They got to keep that level of of amped up. But they did a great job.
1: They did. I particularly watched uh, TJ Watt. He pretty much owned the right tackle and I forget his name, but. T.J. Watt was close all game, and he finally was able to close in.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, T.J. Watt, I mean, what I was referring to is more like the secondary members when they were tackling the catch, and and it's like they're not, I mean, Hayden made a huge play, but other than that, it's not like they were batting down balls, but they were getting into, into the zone of the receiver after he caught the ball, and they were tackling him, and multiple people were tackling him, and the linebackers were flowing over the inside linebackers to finish those tackles, and I love that. But... You talking about T.J. Watt. I mean, you're on to something. I think he's really turning the corner now. He was fantastic for the second game in a row. And over the second half of this year, he's really turning into the star that the Steelers drafted him to be.
1: Was that irritating for me to be talking about a whole different position than the one you were talking about since I lost my place in the script?
0: I never get irritated hearing about T.J. Watt. Anyway, it's a pleasure. It was a pleasure. I mean, but you have, you have, he has Hayward to
1: it, Harvey. I mean, there is just yeah. intense pressure from the front. And uh, I think it's, I, I think that we're watching the ascension of the defense. All kidding aside. I think the the secondary is becoming less sucky. Uh, the move for Sean Davis. I mean, apparently he, he was really the guy responsible for the assignment on the Hogan play, but Sean Davis is, you hear about his name, less, uh, Joe Hayden is is totally solid. We need to figure out some other parts in the secondary, but that that front line is just so solid and highly rated in pro football. Focus for whatever that's worth.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I do still think the Steelers uh, defense is, is severely lacking in talent because even Joe Hayden for his awesome play, he's, I mean, he's about average or a little bit above average. More, I mean, Morgan Burnett's a total disaster. I mean, he needs to retire right away. Terrell Edmonds has been in the mix a little bit more, which is nice to see, but he's not going to make a play. You know, he doesn't make plays yet. Hopefully he does next year. I mean, we're not going to get too much into the next year talk, um, sort of like we did last week, but they need new inside linebackers, and they need to find another difference maker in the secondary. But that's what makes it that much more impressive that they played so well because the Steelers didn't let Edelman and Gronk beat them. And I do think, you know, Gronk's body's obviously breaking down. Edelman doesn't get to use steroids anymore, so that probably hurts him in his route running and his catching ability, and just you know, general uh, uh, midget anger is, is lessened by the fact that he he doesn't have his juice. Baby doesn't have his juice anymore, so baby doesn't have his juice. Baby's sad, and uh, but still, they got plenty of other guys. James White, I thought he was going to carve up the Steelers' inside linebackers. Josh Gordon. He barely did anything except for drop the ball. Quarterell Patterson has been a huge fixture in the game for the Patriots. And every game they played, he was non non existent. Devlin, the fullback, they have other guys they could get the ball to. Hogan, I guess we decided to cover him later. And I do think that the Steelers need more talent, but it was encouraging that even with that lack of talent, they were able to do that. And yes, I know the Patriots have been horrible on the road. They went three and five this year, but I don't care, man. The Steelers defense doesn't get that benefit of the doubt. This was a big step forward for them. And They're going to have a
1: big test next week. We had a uh, our own test again. But we're uh, we went a little uh, I, I went a little fancy on the my bookie and, did, and parlayed and uh, got a little aggressive there. What happened to the Seahawks? This sort of let us down. I'll have everybody know that I did not. I, we always bet for the Steelers, and, and that paid off. But I should not have parlayed that bet
0: it paid off in a big way. You got to watch out for those interdivisional or intra-divisional. inter. It's got to be inter, right? Intra. Yeah. Intra will be within. across. Oh no, yeah. intros within. Precisely. precisely. Well, Seahawks, yeah, they blew that. That wasn't fun. We had that on the my girlfriend and I had that on the other TV watching that in the background. Uh, it was sort of soothing to just watch a game that, you know, just, you don't care about. It? Well, like the Seahawks, Sorry. too, but you know, I don't know if she's going to listen to this. Um, but Yeah, I mean, that was unfortunate. But you know what was fortunate? I mean, winning that bet on the Steelers. And even though we spent hours studying the Steelers, we didn't know if they would win. We don't know. We don't know. But here's something that we do know. When we bet, we always use MyBookie and MyBookie offers betters in all major markets and entertaining lineup of gaming options. They got prop bets. They got fantasy bets. You can use that. Take advantage of that game within the game. We, we, you you guys heard that before, right? That's good stuff. They got a ton of bonus options and basically they give you free money. I'm just going to, I'm going to paraphrase this. I'm going to say they're going to give you free money. And then I'm going to be more specific and say if you make a deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100 as long as you use that promo code OUTPOST25. That's us, everybody. So visit MyBookie.ag online today and don't forget to use that promo code OUTPOST25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play you play you win you get paid and remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with so bet with my bookie thank you
1: let's look ahead to next week before we get to the Steelers game against the Saints let's talk about the Ravens and the Chargers
0: okay so Before this three-game stretch, we knew the Steelers would need to win at least one of the games between the Patriots and the Saints. Well, it looks like they might need to win two because everybody in the AFC is winning. The Colts won. The um, Ravens won, of course. And uh, I forget who else won, but everybody's winning. Let's put it that way. So the Steelers are actually in a position where they may need to beat the Saints, and I think that's because the Ravens are going to beat the Chargers. I'm telling you. So, Keenan Allen for the Chargers and Melvin Gordon, their running back, their two best offensive players outside of Rivers. They were both out of last game. They're expected to play in this one, but I don't know what kind of strength they'll be at. But, bottom line is the Chargers, the Ravens are a perfect matchup for the Chargers. When we saw this on the schedule, we saw Steelers have Pats, Saints, Bengals without Andy Dalton. The Ravens have the push over Buccaneers then they got the Chargers that should be hard and the Browns that's not a gimme game well I like the Ravens against the Chargers this week for this reason I just think that the the Chargers are tiny on defense they have a small defense as it is and all three of their best run stoppers are still out of the lineup just like they were against the Steelers but the Steelers weren't really able to take enough advantage of that Baltimore has rushed for over 190 in the past three games a streak of that last happened with the 1976 Steelers. Some say the best Steelers team of that dynasty. So they're going to bludgeon. Have I been saying San Diego, Los Angeles into the ground? And then on defense, the Ravens can match up. They can match up with about anybody. So if the Ravens win this, the Steelers need to beat the Saints to keep pace.
1: We'll see. It's an away game. Anything can happen any given day. We'll That's true. Can I use?
0: No, that's very What's true. The, They're going to the West Coast. I don't, I'm don't. i not guaranteeing a win, but I do think that – I know everybody's very high on the Chargers now. They had a high-profile win against the Chiefs with a bunch of their guys injured. But um, I think that's a 50-50 game. So if they lose, great. Gives the Steelers a little bit more room to roll. I think the Steelers can actually clinch the division if we beat the Saints and the Ravens lose. But all I know is that <laughs> – It feels great, like a weight was lifted off our chest. And you know what, people? It was because we beat the Patriots, so almost who cares what happens. But we're right back into the fire this week. It's another playoff game. The Steelers have to find a way to beat – a couple weeks ago I would have said definitely the best team in the NFL at home. But the Saints have been a little bit off as of recently, so – do we think it can happen? Of course the Steelers can beat anybody, but it's going to be tough doing it on the road in that dome. when Drew Brees is so good.
1: So what's scary is if you, if you look at the numbers, the saints are scoring 34 points a game to our 27. The really uh, telling number is that they are scoring on over 50% of their drives, 50% of their drives. So defensively, they're strong too. I mean, the Steelers actually are a little stronger on defense, but uh, looking at the schedule, looking at Drew Brees, I mean, he's going to. Wh- where the Patriots failed to exploit our weaknesses, our obvious weaknesses, it's hard to believe that uh, Drew Brees won't be able to carve up that secondary.
0: The two teams I've always been most scared of as a Steelers fan throughout the history of of watching the Steelers, you know, in the two thousands and on, two teams I've always been most scared of are the Saints and the Patriots because. Just historically, the teams that give the Steelers trouble are the excellent pocket passers, the Hall of Fame ones to be specific, with offensive coordinators who can outsmart the Steelers' defense, which we know it, it happens a lot, you know, post-Dick LeBeau here. And you know what? It, just, it gives me a little bit more confidence that the Steelers shut down one of those teams just recently. And like we said, if Ben goes nuclear, you can beat anybody. Because when he goes nuclear, he doesn't just take points and put them on the scoreboard. He takes souls and he rips them out of the chest of the opponent, and then he buries them in midfield and creates a funeral pyre and burns the stadium down as he walks away into the distance, lighting a stogie off of the off of the charring embers.
1: Wow. Well, there you have it. I think uh, Dallas no. did a nice job. I think the keys. Can I just throw to the I'm sorry. Yeah. Team? Yes, right,
0: please, please do. All
1: right. Please take another sip. All right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be easy to neutralize the Saints number one receiver, Michael Thomas. I mean, Gronkowski, as you pointed out, is not the Gronkowski of old. I mean, we game planned between his his demise and the game planning. We were able to neutralize him. Can you do that to their receiver the way Dallas did? And then you've got to contain Elvin Kamara and Mark Ingram.
0: Yeah, and here's the thing: where in some ways I'm more scared of this Saints team because everybody seems to forget when they're talking about Drew Brees, Drew Brees, Drew Brees. The Saints they went seven and nine three years in a row before the last two years, and and with all those off awesome offenses, they had some bad teams because they couldn't get a defense together. So in some ways, I'm I'm more scared of this Saints team than ever because their record's the best. This is the best Saints team since the Super Bowl run they had, but in other ways they are not the same in the same way that the Patriots aren't the same where Drew Brees isn't throwing the ball downfield. And now am I saying Drew Brees is not going to carve us up? I'm not saying that he, he's going to, he probably will. Right. But they're a running team. Now they run through the ground and they have a fantastic offensive line. That's the one thing that makes me a little bit nervous, but you think that the Steelers are, are, you know, That plays more into our hand. Now, of course, they can take it to the air, and they're so creative. And that's the main thing is worried about really Sean Payton beating up on Butler and Tomlin. But it's not like Drew Brees is going out there and launching the ball down the field all the time. They're doing more short intermediate routes, and he's been off as of recently. So I kind of think that the Steelers' defensive line and the Saints' offensive line is sort of a stalemate. So you really hope that Vince Williams and Fort and Bossick can make some big plays there. But, um, you know, I – I I said this week the Steelers are going to need to score 40 to beat the Patriots and we were totally wrong but I still stand by the same sort of thought for the Patriots the Steelers got to put up some points in this game maybe it's not 40 but they they're not going to win with 17 points this week we know that for sure
1: Well it's it's about time it's it's about time to Cork uh, we've had a couple of games the low performing games and
0: yep. uh bob averages we'll see if James Conner comes back I mean that'd be huge Yeah they can do it. Let's and and they got their backs against the wall and that's the way they like it.
1: Hey, uh, look, this was this was a great episode. And I, I unlike you, I slept like a baby because of the just lack of stress. But we are we are here every week and we're looking for your feedback because this should be a conversation, not just our opinions, your opinions. You can hit us on Twitter at, at Steelers Outpost. Go to our website and leave a message at SteelersOutpost.com. Uh, we have an email address too. Steelers outpost at gmail.com and best of best of all we have a new Instagram site Steelers outpost you guessed it please visit us Nick's trying to get his quick reaction to the game uh, either Sunday night or Monday and uh, we'll go
0: for some impact I love it how you call it Instagram site that's a man who doesn't bother himself with with social media and you're a better man for it I have
1: assistants who turn my computer on and off every day page there you go <laughs> I like it. Anyway, see you next week. Go Steelers.
0: We did it! We did it!